Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Renewal and Kristen Baker's Psychic Hour, an alternate reality where it's 60,000 miles to Japan. Human intestines stretch two to three times around the entire globe, and we make all your wildest dreams come true. Yes, and uh, we're also um, offering a discount on Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Nine one four three three eight zero one six four is our call in number. Please press one if you would like to speak with us callers. And of course, as always, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Those accounts are linked on our blog talk radio profile. Neil and Kristen Baker Psychic. We appreciate your support on those pages. Well, here we are today. You know, it, it sometimes occurs to me that we've lost certain values. Uh, in life, I was I caught a I caught the ending of the uh, Andy Griffith show, and Andy Griffith was trying to teach Opie about what it means to uh, have a friend and not to ostracize people. And he did that as an example of uh, ostracizing Barney so they wouldn't go on a fishing trip all together because. Opie didn't want one of his friends to go on a fishing trip because he was jealous of the attention uh, Andy Griffith was giving him. So Andy Griffith used this tactic to say, well, I'm not going to have Barney go. I just want it to be you and I, and Barney's feelings are hurt. And then, of course, it comes with a sentimental ending that um, Opie decides that Barney, that's that nice, so he tells Barney he can go on a fishing trip and he goes and tells his friend to come along as well. Um, <clears throat> stories like, you know, shows like Andy Griffith, uh, Leave it to Beaver. Donna Reed. Donna, well, Donna Reed, oh, yeah. what, Donna Reed didn't have a lot of life lessons. It, you know, it was Sally, Sally, uh, Sally Fabre and... Paul Peterson. Shelly Fabre. Shelly. Oh, I think it has been Anyway. But the shows that matter. really brought on the value of kind of the shows were geared to to emotional training and an emotional maturity. They didn't go so much for one-liners as they went for the human drama and then concluded with some kind of heart-wrenching uh, or learning lesson that occurred. We kind of lost that value, that hometown value. We kind of lost that in the midst of uh, the pandemic and and the opposition of parties and the breakdown of democracy, which is very scary right now. Thought how democracy is being eroded. Well, and yeah, the voting system is not being charged with authenticity. And all these opposing movements, you know, BLM, but then there's the, you know, the White supremacists yeah. and uh, I mean it's it's instigated. The, what instigates this? What it would initiates this is the sense of injustice, which that's that's pure. But, but what then it results division. in is is a is a un, is, is non-unity, separate separatism, and we've lost our certain values. I think. Um, so, you know, our show is really we're old-fashioned. We're not really a new age radio show. We try to get down to the basis of helping people, of dealing with human dramas. As much as we try to teach and inform, uh, we try to keep it on a 
personal, intimate level. So we don't lose that contact. We're, we're basically non-judgmental, and we don't formulate strong opinions, that's, except, of course, with animals. Right. But in, that's interesting that you should bring that up, because objectivity in a reading, we were just discussing this, actually, between the two of us, um, so there is a sense of neutrality that a great psychic needs to have when reading a person because always you're, you know, you're not going to align with a given person's point of view, lifestyle necessarily, and uh, guiding someone without imposing your personal opinions upon them is key. Yeah, I, there is a, there is a... I mean, there's a morality that, that, that has to be in instilled I you know a higher morality but in terms of personal choices sometimes you know there's going to be a variance in between what the psychic and what the subject yeah I, thinks I mean, or feels. We, we've, psychics have kind of come a long way usually psychics were on tv shows talking about world events and making predictions about the world or about movie stars or who's going to get married, what's going to happen in the world for that year. Sidney Omar and people that were were more involved in an astrological uh, observation of the planet and basing it on that. There were always individual psychics that uh, made the headlines, but then we got into the idea that if something was going to become intimate, you went to a fortune teller or a tarot card reader, um, a palm reader. And that, that took on a sort of circus edge of being a psychic. You kind of had to sneak into those places in order to get your fortune told. And usually it was accompanied by a lot of stereotypes, you know, scarves around the head and the candles and the crystal balls. And... It, it was more of a circus atmosphere, even though there were talented people in the field, but it wasn't taken seriously. As we moved through time and space and we got more into the idea of what is really uh, authentic readings, when we get into people, whether you believe in them or not, like John Edwards and James Van uh, Brock and people like this, um, the other one that died, the lady, Sylvia Brown. Sylvia Brown. When you get more into those attitudes of uh, higher consciousness and relating it to chakra systems and the universe and angels and spirits and destiny and karma, then it took on a, a different kind of slant. But by God, it didn't lose its intimacy. In fact, the intimacy occurred more on a more sophisticated level. However, I have to interject something about uh, regarding the statement you're making. Yes, there's a, a sense of intimacy with those readers. However, there's also sensationalism because often those readers appear on talk shows. Yeah. Um, and there, w there are several cases involving Sylvia Brown where she, you know, uh, imposed her own psychic uh, opinion on 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 people in situations where it was very shocking and and not intimate because yeah. there's a studio audience there so i mean you know your child's your child's dead there's no hope you know when the parents are thinking the yeah going to be alive a lot of so. inaccuracies, inaccuracies and then the uh, characterization of a psychic starts to take predominance over the readings itself so the personality of the person and the spotlight becomes a matter of uh, interest, and they formulate their their personality traits. Well, then, yeah, it. and there you have an off balance because you don't want to make as a psychic the reading about yourself. It's not about the psychic; no. it's about the, the the person you're reading. And there's a lot of good down to earth psychics out there who incorporate different aspects of of the psychic phenomena in the world that it inhabits. But what, you know, our show, we, we try to keep it on a sort of intimate level. Yeah, we do some instructions. We try not to sensationalize the topics. Um, and then we always drop the ball 
to deal with people when they call. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. Our attention is on uh, the individual, him or herself. And then we get into the elements of how we design a reading, whether it's through numerology or what. Whatever um, impressions are coming in psychically. Yeah. Cold readings, you know, the, the idea. I don't know why they called it cold readings. Because they used uh, to do it at in, below 40 yeah, degree temperatures. It That's it where it originated. Um, and the great Randy, who has now passed away, always, you know, who, who was a magician himself and a bit of a psychic, if you will, but not totally in that element, uh, thought of his whole debunk. It was foolish and nonsense and put up a million dollar or something uh, contest to answer certain questions, which no psychic approached, and probably wisely so, because the element of being challenged as a psychic it may go back to biblical times, because psychics were stoned if they were wrong. But Not, um, not on marijuana. No. Stoned to death. Yeah, they were, they were, <laughs> yeah, they were given, uh, they went to head shops. <laughs> they, were wrong. They, they still won by getting a lot of drugs. But, um, you know, it, it, it's a delicate matter, and it's not an exact science, and neither is medicine. It, there are elements of medicine that are exact, and there's elements of science, natural science, that are exact. H2O is water. It's not going to change uh, and unless it's bottled and they filter it and uh, put arrowhead on it. But the idea that uh, that we basically that are involved in a world that is not tangible. It's not a tangible world. So really, a good psychic, it's a privilege to be a psychic because you're supposed to have access to another environment. That is not accessible to the general population. And that, Yeah, and then obtain information from it, and then it goes into the circuits of your own individual brain, whatever talents you have in foresight or being intuitive or downright raw material psychic and you go through that and then that gets filtered through the personality of the person and the ego of the person but uh we never profess to be 100 percent accurate we only go so far as 99.9 and and oftentimes you know there's not a, a direct answer to someone's question sometimes there's not a black and white answer no. Recently, there was uh, someone we dealt with where the person was saying, well, what, which one should I pick as far as this job or project? And the answer was, put your energy into all the projects. The universe doesn't have an answer for you right now. There's no answer. There's no answer yet. You have to put your energy into everyone and see which one you know, grows from this uh, the seeds that you're planting in each one of them. Uh, we sometimes come in with a with a an equilibrium of karma, if you will, in any given situation. So we could be given five choices, and each choice has an equivalent amount of energy in it. It's just a matter of whatever you choose could change the destiny of your life but they're all available to you. So it's sort of like Robert Frost, two roads taken, and the North less traveled. Sometimes we make our choices, but whatever we choose, if we come into the world with diverse karma that's equalized in each category with energy, then the idea is, well, what do you want to choose? Which one do you want to choose? What do you, what do you want to be? I myself was given a great choice to be either be a psychic or something else, which I won't mention. Um, but I decided at that point to devote my life to being uh, a psychic and to give up the other categories. Now, I knew with the other, other categories, I was going to be very, very famous and very, very successful and very, very rich. But I decided not to do it for the sake of devoting energy to a higher energy. So in that regard, in making that sacrifice, because psychics do make sacrifices, they're devoting their lives to the energy of, a, of another person's life. Right. So that's, yeah, oftentimes when you're on a journey to 
becoming psychic. You have to give up your ego desires in order to, in order to uh, merge into energy of, of psychic phenomenon and a higher path. Right. I personally, I, I don't think it's much different than uh, we're going to get stoned for this. Didn't <laughs> had a headshot. Yeah, so we're already smoking up. No, but, but the idea that uh, we're no, we're like priests, rabbis, pastors. We 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 link to a higher source. Most of us consider it to be God and the universe and angels and whatnot. Of course, we, it comes with a bad reputation because the Bible says stay away from sorcerers and fortune tellers. But that's not what we are. And we don't ascribe to elements of darkness. And we have our own personal religious beliefs. But, but when, you, when a person takes their life and devotes it for the welfare of others, notwithstanding doctors, even though they may live in mansions and have an arrogant attitude in, in many cases, or lawyers... But uh, Dante had his own opinion of lawyers. He put them on a really low ring of a realm, of a really horrible realm in his uh, uh, divine comedy there. And what was it? It was Dante's Inferno. Inferno. Uh, that we have sacrificed the, the essence of our ego to help others. Well, and that's <laughs> homespun. That's, that's the element of, of, a, of a little town consciousness, that one for all, all for one kind of attitude, which, of course, was Alexander Dumas, but it comes, still comes from the attitude of what is it to be an intimate caretaker of another person's life? Well, it's interesting you mentioned doctors, though, because doctors obviously are in, in the field of service and care of other people, but <laughs> so many times with doctors, egos, the doctor's ego really overwhelms the quality yeah. of patient care. I, I feel that, first of all, in the waiting room. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and then when the doctor comes in and gives you two minutes and is looking at his watch. But not all doctors are like this. I mean, um, but to get one on the phone um, is, is harder than getting God. Yeah, and it used to be that you would get results, you know, the doctor would call you with results that you, uh, that, you know, tests they run. Nowadays, forget it, you got to make an appointment to get those results. I mean, it's very impersonal. I remember even in my days, doctors would come to the house. They actually have something like that now, that they're uh, a healthcare conglomerate is doing home care. Uh, I just read about it. In our area, but well, let's not case, diminish. I mean, doctors without borders, and uh, there are there are wonderful, humane, caring, sacrificial doctors out there. It's not that they're all, you know, um, have this ill-formed reputation around their 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 uh, license. But it's the same with anything and everything. Um, when you get into uh, a lot of people will say, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to go with a plumbing company. I want my. I have my own plumber. He he works by himself. He's the, he's the only guy, but he gives such immediate, intimate detail and attention to what he does, and he's responsible for everything. He doesn't represent a company. Whether that's your mechanic, your plumber. It you know when you deal with 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 the idea that we we should not and cannot lose the idea of what it is to be intimate in any given interaction and being authentic of, of caring and making sure that our dialogue and our conversation is geared towards the the care of others. So that's what we try to do on our show. And I was just, um, I, it just reminded me again when I was watching the last five minutes of, the, of this Andrew Griffith show, um, notwithstanding Barney's antics and his crying about, you know, not he wouldn't forgive Andy for what he did, being made an example. So there's comedy was involved in it, but but nonetheless, the heartbeat of the story um, is still in, impactful, and it's still very very intimate. You know, when I remember when uh, when we talked about doctors. 
there was two shows on TV, Ben Casey and Dr. Kildare, Vince Edwards and um, Richard Chamberlain. Uh, ben Casey was an hour show, uh, the other one was a half hour show. But they were rivals. They were on, around the same time. Ben Casey was a more sophisticated intellectual attitude about medicine. And it came on, I think, at 10 o'clock. And then um, Dr. Kildare, which was actually a series of novels and movies, old movies. Not too many people know that Dr. Kildare was movies made in the 40s. And then Richard Chamberlain popularized it. That brought on more. Dr. Kilder was more of an intimate human drama. Van Casey was more involved in uh, the mechanics of medicine, as I recall. They were, but they were both very, very famous figures and made out of, of course, literature, maybe based on you know, character at some point. But it's the same thing. You know, our, what, what, what we, I think it's important that we emphasize the intimacy of what it is to be a psychic, devoid of manipulation or trickery or some kind of propaganda or something like this, psychological, you know, oversight where you're trying to control somebody. It's not about that. It's about doing a good, clean, intimate, purposeful, responsible reading and doing the best you can to connect to the other side in obtaining some of that information, notwithstanding that you're, you can be intuitive within yourself. But that's, you know, what I was thinking about this morning. Um, and uh, so we get into this idea of, well, what, how does one approach a realm that you can't see? There's, there's no, you can't, you can't get them on the Internet. You can't see them. You really can't hear them. You ask a psychic a question, they maybe close their eyes or they think or whatever, and then they come back with an answer. Where the hell are they going? Where are they getting this information from? Is their higher self so advanced that they really are just hearing themselves say something and they have the gift of gab, which is connected to some coincidence of accuracy? So, so you know... Five times out of ten, they're right. Well, that, I think, in some cases is the case. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, a, lot of, a lot of psychics are, are, are good at talking and, and making a convincing, a convincing storyline. Well, you know, notwithstanding. Them. And it's not necessarily, they're not necessarily 80% accurate. It's a lot of talk. Psychics and actors are somewhat similar yeah. because what their 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 main instrument is their voice. voice. It, you know, some we use wands and crystal balls and sticks and whatever stones and roots and you know they they, they they sometimes throw out their their cards and they read a card or the astrological sign or even numerology. But basically, when it comes down to it, what, whatever your script is whatever mechanics you're using or whatever makeup or costume you put on, you're essentially, you're making a livelihood. You're making an occupation into an oral tradition of prediction, of being intuitive. That's all you've got. There's somebody else around you. And if you say you've got five angels that you're talking to or, you know, the angel David or whatever it may be, Michael. Michael, uh, Archangel Michael is a common one. Yeah. Michael, um, David, or even Goliath. Whoever you're talking to, it doesn't matter. They're not there. It's fantasy. It's hokum. Who who knows if they're there or not? The way it claims to be. Ultimately, what matters is what comes out of the psychic's mouth. And and that's the same with acting. What comes out of your mouth and just how authentic is your script? So if you watch a movie and go, this is a bullshit movie, none of this is real, it's all fantasy, but it was entertaining. So what they say about psychics is it's a form of entertainment. That's how psychics were legitimized. That's how they made, that's how they passed the record of authenticity. Well, it's entertainment. And yeah, many people claim on their, you know, they put a disclaimer on their website, psychics that say this is for entertainment purposes yeah. only because it you know, releases them from any liability they may have if they 
gives right. a wrong answer. <laughs> right. So, you know, um, it, and that's what it is. I mean, there's even a series of movies that's entertainment. Psychics, in the objectivity of, of, of interpretation, psychics are no different than actors or movies. It's entertainment. That's how it's considered. Now, in the form of entertainment, we can have a movie that blows our minds out. It can be so authentic. It, I was just looking at scenes from the battle of uh, Trenka, the Russian film that was made. I'm watching a lot of TV this morning. In uh, um, five minutes here and there. <laughs> but the famous scene, you know, with the baby carriage going down the steps and the revolution in uh, Russia and the uprise and Eisenstein, that it is, is a masterpiece. The movie's only like 70 minutes long, 71 minutes. But, you know, it took, when we look at important forms of entertainment and they grip us in such a way that they alter our consciousness and they're considered masterpieces and works of art, a painting is a form of entertainment. But it can change Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, Vincent van Gogh, it changes the consciousness and it takes on a higher form than just being a matter of entertainment. Same thing with a psychic. A psychic can, can transcend through the idea of entertainment and become totally serious because they've proven that the content of their language is now something above and beyond just a form of entertainment. Fun. It becomes something real. So when we look at that, uh, hopefully we, we hit that category because we just don't want to be entertainers. That would take away from the attitude of the seventh chakra. A good psychic will make sure that they're, they're in their bedfellows with the seventh chakra, the authenticity of what spirituality really is. And, um, and if you don't know, then look at the gifts of the spirit and what was said about what it really is to be a human being and what you carry up to heaven, if that's where you're going, and that's what you believe in, those gifts you take, nothing else. So what do we do? I mean, the question is why numerology? Well, why is the book of numbers in the Bible? I mean, why is anything numbered? Our whole system of life is numbered. Our days are numbered. Our lives are numbered. So the, what, why Chris and I work diligently with numerology is because numbers are not impersonal. They're personal. Right. Well, they hold content that is beyond. Right. Beyond just a numerical quantity. You know, always fascinates me when I read an article and it gives a person's name. Then there's a comma, and it says their age. Age. You know, when you introduce to yourself to somebody, you don't go, oh, my name is Betty Moore, 78 uh, years old. Uh, how are you doing today? I mean, why do we, why is it, are numbers, we are so, what's your social security number? I'm not giving that to you. Well, why not? It's just a number. No, it's, it's my identity. What's your license number? What's your license plate number? What you? What, what's your month, day, and year? Well, class, you know, classification. You have to classify people in a certain... You have to classify people. You can't go you can't get a pill today without the, the nurse saying, and what year were you born? You know, or you pick up the pills. And what's your date of birth? I mean, numbers are around records. Yeah. You know, uh, oh, go to the gas station. Where is it located? Uh, you know, behind the bush, the fourth tree down. No, you have to give an address. Yeah. Everything is a number. Where do these numbers come from? Why are they important? And why do they have certain meaning on an individual level? Well, it's not the first block. It's the fifth block. What's the difference? Well, one's a one. The other one's shaped like a five. And a five represents something beyond one by four. And you go, what are you talking about? But this is how we organize our lives through numbers. So I know when I was early, very, very early in my attitude of being a psychic, seven or eight, 
I did not want to deal with numbers until my grandfather told me it's necessary. You have to. I didn't really get it. I didn't really understand it until about 16. Then I kind of dawned on me what it really meant and how it worked. And that's when I started to go more diligently into the uh, study of numerology about 55 years ago. And look at what these numbers meant. And I knew they just were personality. You just didn't get a master number and shape of personality. That seemed ridiculous to me. So the content of that became very important. Yeah, it's and, hard for people to get away from that idea, though, that the numbers are, are not personalities. You know, ones are grounded, twos are people, yeah. people, and, you know, threes are creative, fours are full of you know, love. I mean, you can attach you can attach a personality characteristic to any given number easily. And it's, 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 you, that trap can be um, problematic when you're trying to deal with really understanding, we don't have a caller, um, what numbers represent, you know, in, in an individual's code. This is true. I mean, you, you know, we have... There are generalizations. I mean, it's hard. It's like there are generalizations, yet there aren't. There's certain attributes about months. There's certain attributes about months. <clears throat> You're always going to get Christmas in December. And she's typically cold, but not all the time. And one December in one part of the world doesn't mean it's December in Right. That's very true. What, Australia, isn't it summer in Australia yeah. in December? And, and sometimes I mean, December can world. reach 90 degrees. We don't, we, you know, we can't be fixed in our interpretation of, these, of human existence, more or less a global, a global atmosphere of the world. Nothing is fixed, and there's no personality trait. Oh, blonde hair, blue eyes, you're superior. <laughs> I don't think so. But... The idea, oh, you're a three, oh, this is what a three does. No. But you can, you can share a sort, certain attitude to start off the ball by inferring what a three could mean. And that's very varied. And what is a three in chakra system? What is a three in the attitude of, of connection with other people? I mean, there's so many variations on what any number is. Not to say that we are made up of parts. A three may be made up of a four, eight, 19, 52, something like that. And then it becomes a number. I don't even know what that would add up to. Four and eight is 12, three. 29, 11, two. Well, but the four, eight is a 12, three. I mean. But uh, the um, idea of uh, what does a number is a number complete within itself? No, absolutely not. Just as a human being isn't complete. You can look at a human being and say, that's a human being. That's a human being. But what about his heart or his prostate or you know, her sexual organs or whatever? What's, what's the content of her brain? <laughs> Where are you going with that? Huh? <laughs> Prostate and sexual organs. Well, what I'm saying is... <laughs> no, I get to, the point. I, but I'm it's trying just, to yeah. think about how to designate, male, distinguish a male, male from female. a female. Um, of course, I'm sexist, so I, I absolutely refer to sexual organs first and foremost. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we are made up of parts, and each part plays significantly in our role of... of of, of our human existence, just as any number we are plays significantly in, in, in terms of its components, what makes it up. So a birth date is very much like a human body. The formation of the last number is very much like the structure of the entire entirety of the human body. But you cannot look at a human body and determine, just like you can't look at a human body and determine whether they're evil or, or uh, not evil. It's what's made up inside. So every master number is composed of other numbers that make it up. Do we have a caller? We have a caller. Well, I sometimes you can look at a person and tell if they're evil. Uh, but with sometimes. eyes. 
Sometimes, eyes. yeah. You, yeah. Can, you can get into scientific. So, okay. Um, let's bring on the caller. Hi. Hi, this is Karen from Chicago. Hi, Karen. Hello. Um, I was wondering, um, I, um, I put in a claim through unemployment, and I'm just wondering if you see that claim being approved. So um, you're not working right now? Right. They, they laid me off. Oh, boy. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. It's 3.31. 3.31.71. 25.7 if you don't have that. Karen, i got to write your name down. When did you apply? Um, last week. And then I, I register on Tuesday to see if, um, and then after I register on Tuesday, they'll let me know if I, if they'll send a check out in two days. So by Thursday. Well, how, but the, so, so how long were you employed? She's been doing part-time, uh, like a contract yeah, part-time job. part-time for. Well, how much is there in, in, in terms earnings. of their, uh, of your employment, is there a sufficient amount of funds that you, did you make a, a, a decent income, anything measurable? Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. There well, should be some left in there in the, in the um, bucket, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know, notwithstanding uh, the logistics of what unemployment provides for those who have worked that are laid off or fired or whatever, and you were laid off, but yeah. legitimately speaking, in the you know we're not experts at this, but legitimately speaking, you, you, your claim should be well received. On a psychic level, I'm not getting anything to combat that. Okay. Okay. So it would yeah, appear as though you're going to get unemployment. Uh, you know, you're going to get unemployment. Okay. Yeah, I kind of think so too because they sent me the form to go and register. So, so I was kind of happy about that. Register like for the job search um, site, or register for their website. What? What do you um, mean for benefits for certification oh, so benefits? Uh, for the so for their website, and they yeah. require you to do job search, I suppose. Yes. Yes. While you're unemployed. Yeah. Yes. I mean, collecting I, unemployment. Know, I think you will. Um, okay. So, you you know, the measure, I don't know how it works, but the measurement of what you received in, in employment and what you put into it, um, yeah, and you were recently laid off. So right there, we, we're at the starting gate already 50%. And then the other 50% psychically appears to be that there's nothing obstructing. The only thing that would obstruct the only thing that would obstruct you from making money would be that you have two aspects to your birthday code. Three, three, one is a seven, and you have you have then it formulates into a seven in your year accompanied by a one, which is now a broken up eight. And your master number is seven. So you're shy of an eight. So what it could mean if we get into a karmic collision, karmic collision, mm-hmm. is that it could be denied on a karmic level, not on an earthly level, but through karma. So oh. we don't anticipate that because 1971 actually is a nine and that, that takes you out of the ditch of having a book of eight. But we have to assume, you see, and in your energy, you're born on the 30, uh, 31, and your first and last is 31, and that's a broken up four, which is a broken up energy of balance. So we look at this numer- numerically. numerically, we've got a little bit of a mystery in there. That's, and, you know, she's had some problems, obviously. She's trying to seek unemployment. But for a while, she's been trying to get full-time employment and not been successful. Well, the so fact that she's got intermittent employment. I mean, look at the other thing. She's born in 71, and then the day in, oh, there's a one in her one, day and a yeah. seven in her year, another one, seven. Another, see, so you have compounded elements of controversy in your life due to karma that 
transcends into your your later years. But that would be how we cover the the news on you know whether it could happen or not. That would explain why. Chris and I are trying to put out energy. You're calling the show. We're trying to provide energy that will take you into a, a, a bountiful area here in terms of unemployment and you get your checks or whatever. And we're doing our best. And we're not getting any any instant news bulletins that you're not going to get. It. <laughs> do you have um, do you have money to sustain you for a few uh, months? No, no. Um, I um, I already paid my rent. My bills are paid for this month for the following month. So I'm good in the month of October. Um, but um, I, I do have some health challenges that just came up as well. So I may be applying also for Social Security Disability as well. Um, That's, I mean, it's challenging to get disability. Do you have your doctor's support? Yes, yes, yes. Well, if, if your disability can be backed up the fact that you can't work, there's a problem there. You go, but you, you like it one or the you other. You can't collect both unemployment yeah, and disability. So I mean, the the interim would be unemployment until disability is approved, if it is to be approved. But the problem with disability right. is it's a long process, from what and, I understand. And, the problem, and then you face the problem of if you're trying to work until you get disability, how can you get disability when you're able to work? Well, you I oh, think exactly. you can work work a certain amount of hours with disability. I think you, I, I'm not sure. And it's, I think it differs by state. Well, so, there's you know, a lot of fraud going on and, you know, you've got to be careful, um, you know, when, when you're saying, when you're applying for disability and you're working, you've got to really check out the guidelines oh, right. uh, where that, where that comes from. So, um, I just, it, you know, anywhere in your history, was there ever a piano? Oh, yes. Yes. Um, I used to take piano lessons um, when I was a child. My cousin um, had a piano at her house that we used to play with. My grandmother played piano, um, and she also had a piano at her house. Well, you know, that's the, and we just got a knock here. No. That's sort of a sign of validation that things should work out. It's sort of a sign, psychically. Regarding the disability, Karen, are you planning, are you trying to get permanent disability or is this a temporary disability situation? Um, It may be temporary. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, um, what my doctor, they're going to meet with me on on Friday to let me know about um, all of this. It's just my health condition. So I got to go and meet with, with um, I have to have surgery. And then um, after that, then I meet with two other doctors that are in their care team. So um, that, um, so they'll definitely let me know what, what mm-hmm. I need to do. Can you share with us what part you play in Chicago? No. <laughs> oh, 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 wait, well, could you say that again? I didn't hear you. Well, I was wondering, Karen, could, you know, you said I'm Karen from Chicago. What part do you play in the musical production? Nice. <laughs> well, the piano. Oh, okay. She's the piano. She's the, piano. She's the rehearsal pianist. She's sitting on Billy Joel's yeah. lap. Yeah, is she in the movie? No. Just piano. Oh. I was like, huh? I mean, I've never seen Chicago, the movie. But oh. Catherine yeah, I'm from the north side. Yeah. From the north side. No. Oh. <laughs> Well, then that would eliminate the possibility of her being the musical, I guess. Maybe she means the band Chicago. <laughs> um, oh, I used to like them too. Yeah, they used to Peter be. Peter um, <laughs> Yes, yes. Every time I heard that, I knew I had good luck with that. So that's kind of funny mentioning it. Yeah. Well, just don't go to any parts. On a Saturday? On a Saturday. Yeah. Sunday. Okay. But anyways, Karen, we, you know, we did our best and we'll put out energy that, uh, that um, the only thing I will say to you is this, yeah, on a more of a whimsical level, Google uh, crickets. Look okay. at the magical element in the animal spirit world behind crickets. That's a musical element of the night. 
Now we're in okay. Santa Fe. And that was uh, Stephen Sondheim. Stephen Sondheim. Yeah, yeah. Did, didn't he do something in the moment? Oh, oh um, yeah. I'm thinking of Music of the Night, but that's not Stephen Sondheim. Music Sondheim's. of the Night. Is that's Sound of the Opera. Sound of the Opera. But uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Stephen Sondheim. Uh, really Little Night Music? A Little Night Music. Um, see, you learn all kinds of things, Karen, when you call her. <laughs> now, can you give us the, uh, when Annie Griffith was born, can you give us his birthday to, uh, before you leave? <laughs> Poor Karen. She doesn't have no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, um, excuse us, we're a little bit insane, but but the idea that everything should work out, we're putting energy behind it, and um, let us know how, how it works out. I, I know will. you're a good caller. Yeah, will. let us thank know. Thank you so much. Good luck. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. No. She probably now is saying, check them off. They're insane and psychotic. I wonder, yeah. Um, you know, uh, I was laughing so hard at that Robert Klein used to do these specials for HBO. And although I'm a favorite of uh, Judge Judy, he did. You're such a fa- you mean Judge Judy is a favorite of yours? I don't know if she Judge Judy no, uh, no, favors you. No, she probably doesn't. She doesn't even know who I am. But you're right, you know. Um, but he he did such a funny parody of Judge Judy in his comedy act because um, he, he he plays both roles: the person who is 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 at, having a case. And before Judge Judy and then Judge Judy, and the guy goes, um, well, Judge Judy, I, uh, I'm i here today. Get your hands out of your pockets. Well, uh, uh, okay. Um, well, my problem is, put your hands away from your face. Stand up straight. Uh, well, you're, a, you're an ignoramus and a pig. You know, and, and it was just really funny the way that he depicted this. So when we get into the element, you know, again, we're talking about comedians who use nothing but the element of their voice and the manner of their content, hopefully hitting notes of hilarity in terms of uh, how they make a living. No, but you were just talking about these comedians that took cocaine and they, uh, three of them, two, two men and a woman and, and, uh, they were comedians and they were doing cocaine or something. Yeah, they did cocaine that was laced with fentanyl. And I guess the woman that survived, now there's more a little bit more detail about the event. And she woke up and all three were dead and she was able to call 911. And she ended up surviving, of course. But, you know, waking up to three dead people in your house is not a fun night. Yeah, so, you know, when we get into the idea and a lot of uh, actors and actresses and people like this are very troubled inside, just like a lot of psychics are, you know, you go to see, you hear the psychic and then you go to meet the psychic and they're 300 pounds and they're eating candy and they're, they're, they can't breathe, they have asthma and they're doing readings. I don't know. I mean, maybe it, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But when you're dealing with the, with the attitude of what you're working with, I think that's very important. Well, I think part of, well, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, part of that too is is knowing how to process the energy of the people that you're dealing with. So sometimes you can become, if you're not balanced in your chakra system as a psychic, you can become off balance because of the energy that you're taking in from other people. So processing is very important. Yeah. I mean, where the split is between uh, entertaining as an actor or actress and uh, being a psychic is you're taking in somebody's energy. They're really, I mean, you can take in the energy of an audience when you're performing live or when you sneak into the theater and watch yourself in the movies with an audience seated around you. But when you're a psychic, you're actually absorbing somebody else's energy and taking it inside of you and then dismantling it in such a way that you look at each piece. When we get like to people like Karen, um, 
you know, why mention piano? If that element comes in as a as a sort of floating Alice in Wonderland through the rabbit hole dislocated image, but it's validating something around her because that brought in her grandmother and that brought in her childhood. And if there was more time, we would have examined what those elements meant to her. You know, what was her childhood like? Who was her grandmother? What did she, you know, it expands into an entire narrative. So to me, uh, I look at uh, readings like, like reading a book. And sometimes you jump around and see the energy of, of, of where you skip around in that book. A lot of people will read the ending before they read the beginning. And some people never get to the ending because they put the book down halfway through. But that's the whole process. A good reading is a process. A middle, a beginning, a middle, and an end, even though you may jump around. Have statements that are not in chronological order. But here we're talking about Karen, and then suddenly the reading takes us to her past. The piano opens up memories for her. Maybe that means something. And then how, how did a cricket get in there? That, now that, that's something else. But a cricket came in on the piano. It did. Yeah. There was a cricket on the piano? Yeah, there was a cricket on the piano. And beside the cricket was Pinocchio. And so who knows? Maybe she'll go to Italy. But yeah, unfortunately, she's not listening. But No, most people, after they get their readings, they hang up. Most people. Ah, she may be on online. Who knows? Well, but, you know, such is the life of the lonely psychics. You know, uses, abuses, abandonments. <laughs> That's the way it goes. I guess so. Well, and we're about to abandon ship ourselves because we are at the end of the show and back on the air on Friday, same time, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern. And we hope you join us then. Bye-bye.